All right. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. We are now officially live. And I would like to welcome, 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 first and foremost, my dope panelists. Assalamu alaikum and good evening, everybody. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we are now streaming live. And like I said, it takes a moment or two to roll over to our social media accounts. Um, it's a great time to go ahead and share it on your page if you so wish. But I would like to say welcome. Assalamu alaikum to the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast family. Wa alaikum salam. Shahid, how are you? Assalamu alaikum. Please drop your salams. That's how we keep the barakah in this conversation. And we're definitely going to need it for tonight. Welcome back to the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. Um, this is, we are here, like I said, season four, we're in the From Heartbreak to Dope podcast season. We're in series one, Heartbreak and Denial podcast series, and we are talking about some really tough conversations. This is the rough series before we get into our more um, healing and loving type of episodes. But we're here tonight with Is It Love or Manipulation? Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the conversation, everybody. Welcome to our dope panelists. We appreciate you for being here. Wa alaikum salam, wa alaikum salam. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. It's good to see all of you guys join us. So this conversation has been polarizing, right? I did a lot of lives. We had a lot of conversations and people have really been really passionate about this topic. Because either, you know, most of us have experienced manipulation, either we've manipulated or been manipulated. And, um, you know, it's, it's at a point where we really need to discuss it and have some healing around it as a community and um, find some positive solutions. So, inshallah, we're going to go ahead and get started. I want to go ahead and introduce this dope panel that is in front of me. I want you guys to get really familiar and comfortable with them. Remember, this is an interactive podcast live. We want your conversations. We want your comments. You are a part of this conversation. First and foremost, I want to introduce um, a very dope brother, mashallah. He is a Detroit native. He currently lives in Columbus, Ohio with his beautiful wife and four adorable children. He's a graduate of Wayne State University with a bachelor's degree in biology, and he's actively pursuing a master's in psychology. He is the author of three children's books, the co-owner of Brown Ditches, which everybody make sure you <laughs> grab some of those. They're super dope. And is an active member of his Islamic community, currently serving as the assistant imam of the Muslim Community Center. I would like to welcome Brother Rashid Mahdi to the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Wa alaikum assalam to Allah. Mama, I made it. <laughs> Muslim Woman Podcast. So um, I appreciate definitely appreciate the invitation. We appreciate you being here, dear brother. MashaAllah. This um, next brother, MashaAllah, we're humbled to have him. He's worked over 40 years with the public specializing in addiction and mental health treatment and relationships specifically to African-American families. He specializes also working with Black men in particular. He's currently writing a book titled The Misdiagnosis of Black Men, Strategies to Combat Depression, Incarceration, and Homelessness amongst African-American men. I would like to welcome Brother Khalil Peterkin to the show. Assalamu alaikum, dear brother. Wa alaikum Thank you for having me, sister. Thank you for being here, mashallah. All right, and we have this sister who we see often also doing her thing on her platform as well. Um, she is the founder and chief empowerment officer of Jessica Cares, and that is an acronym. 
Um, she is the found, she's focused on one mission, equipping girls, teens, and women with the tools they need to embrace their unique talents, achieve goals, and develop a satisfying path in life. After spending more than 25 years in the corporate world, gaining powerful management, during um, doing one-day workshops, empowerment, academic, um, Academies, sorry, and inspirational annual retreats. She helps young women overcome their past, current or current situations, and she works to set personal goals for themselves. She is a respected transformational speaker, a life coach, and a mentor, and she's received tons and tons of honors and awards. I'm humbled and happy to have Sister Asia Shahid join us here on the show. Assalamualaikum. Sister. I feel just like uh, Brother Rashid. I'm like, if I made it on the dope Muslim show, I'm, I must be doing something right. <laughs> I'm so humbled to have you here. And I have to like totally like concise your bio, but there's so much more. MashaAllah, Tabarakallah, may Allah blessing and increase you. Um, this, this sister, MashaAllah, I was like, I just like had to have her back. She's been here before. If you follow the Dope Muslim Woman podcast, um, I call her my powerhouse. When I, um, you know, jokingly discuss some of our podcasts, but she graduated from Rutgers University in North New Jersey in 2019 with a bachelor's of liberal arts, majoring in political science and a minor in urban education. She's currently a high school teacher in Newark, New Jersey. Whew, wow, Newark, huh? And we'll be entering our third year for the 2021-22 school year. She's been recently awarded the position of interim woman advisor to the Council of Imams in New Jersey. We are happy to have Sister Zarina Rahim return back to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa Don't call to come back. Be back. MashaAllah. Thank you so much. Alhamdulillah. Um, you know, I'm I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. As I said, this conversation has started a lot of firestorms online. Um, we want to get to the bottom of it. There's a lot of people that have defined manipulation. Um, and, and they're trying to deeply understand how this has showed up in their own personal lives. I want us to just start right there. And if it's okay, Brother Khalil, I would like to start with you. Um, we're calling it, is it love or manipulation? Because sometimes it's difficult to, for us to tell the difference between love and manipulation, which is why many of us end up in relationships with manipulators. And I wanted to just ask straight off the back, what is the difference between healthy love and love that comes with manipulation? Well, let me begin by saying that I uh, want to thank Allah for having me here and that I, um, by the grace of Allah, I will do uh, my best to be able to answer fully and adequately the questions uh, as you present them. So, uh, to begin with, you know, the way I approach the matter has to do with relationships. That is in reference to the kind of work that I do. I focus on African-American men, African-American women and families. So when I approach the question of manipulation, I'm dealing with real issues. I'm dealing with issues in which often I find a lot of sisters having difficulties in their relationship in terms of identifying exactly what you're asking. So from starters, I often find that in terms of manipulation, 
many African-American men are engaged in manipulation. But it's not necessarily uh, identifying that they are engaged in, in manipulation. The question is, what, is an, what encourages their behavior to be that way? Mm -hmm. there, is, there is one thing to identify issue and there's another thing to identify what's causing that behavior. And for African-American men, you know, to understand their motivation to be manipulative, we have to put this thing into a historical context. You know, it's 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 not a microwave answer. It's a it's a it's an answer that requires us to understand our human behavior. Mm -hmm. And given the fact that for over 40 years that I've been working with African American families, you know, brothers and sisters, many of us is hurting. So to me, if I was to answer that question, and I will answer it maybe not at this very moment, I would have to give it some historical context to understand the thinking of African-American men. Mm, SubhanAllah, I appreciate that. And you're right, we wanna dig deeper into that, but I appreciate you for opening us up in that sort of um, way. I wanted to pop over to Zarina, if that's okay. Um, like I said, many of us, especially in our experience, here in this country as Black people, we do try to mitigate and understand the relationships that we find ourselves in. And a lot of times we're not able to um, understand or decipher the difference between manipulation and love. How would you like concisely define the difference between a, a love that is healthy versus a love that comes with manipulation? Um, that's a, for me, that was pretty simple. I think healthy love is simply that it exists when one or both parties make the choice to morph into the person they are meant to be through and through inspiration and non-judgmental events within the relationship. Now, manipulation is when one or both parties utilizes persuasion, um, suggestion, or fear to gain the other's obedience, compliance, and or acceptance, all of which can be used with nefarious or harmless intent. But the difference between these two terms is intent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, we talked, I, you know, it's interesting, Sister Asia, because we're talking about this, you know, one of the ways I addressed this topic, I was trying to go deeper in season four to look at aspects within our, our own selves, if we could take an internal look as to how we sort of show up and the root cause of some of the breakdowns in our relationships. I wanted to address us as women for a second. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about or ask you directly, what are some ways in which we as women use control, control in our relationships with men and how that shows up as pretty manipulative? Oh, how women. Uh, women in particular. Women, women in particular, how they show up with, uh, you know, as controlling. Um, you know, another sister, um, she, she brought this up where I, I saw a video of her and it was so uh, telling. You know, a lot of times women use um, intimacy as a mm -hmm. form of control, you know, uh, or the lack thereof of intimacy will withhold um, intimacy from our partner as a way uh, to control what it is that we uh, necessarily want or what we feel we should uh, receive in any particular situation. And a lot of times, you know, um, we'll, we'll do that. We'll use um, intimacy as a way of um, trying to manipulate a situation or the person in and of themselves. Um, and, and other times we'll use their children 
you know, a man's children as a form of control. Um, if you don't give me what I want, I'll withhold you being able to see your children um, or I'll take you to uh, court uh, for child support, knowing that that is something that is not geared specifically for the African-American community. Um, they will use uh, child support or the court system as a means to control a situation. So those are just some of the, you know, just to, you know, stay within the time constraints. Those are just some of the things that I have seen in particular we as women have used as a form of control. And it's very manipulative. Mm, absolutely. I appreciate those examples. And Brother Rashid, I wanted to ask you some common ways in which you see men utilizing control and manipulation in their relationships with women. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that um, one of the bigger ways that men use can be manipulative is they use religion. Like we use religion. So we will we will be quick to, you know, reference the the ayat in the Quran where lots of Panawatala talks about how men are the you know leaders or whatnot. We're quick to find the hadiths that speak to about you know speak on you know women withholding sex and things like that. Like we're when it comes to stuff like that, we will go to the hadith books. We'll stay up all night. We will find ways to make sure that we get our point across. So um, I think that's one of the ways that we as men do it. Um, and I think to Sister Zarina's point, originally talking about you know, what manipulation is. I think oftentimes when, when we're talking about relationships, we have to go into it or we go into it understanding that the person that we have decided to enter into the relationship with, um, they obviously, they didn't have any of the red flags that we were looking, looking, you know, that they, they didn't have any, any deal breakers. So we want to enter into this relationship, so to speak. But when we talk about healthy relationships, to me, it's a relationship where both individuals, they benefit from it. Um, it's like the, in the, if we're talking from, from a symbiotic standpoint, it's, it's more mutualism where both parties, they benefit from the relationship. Um, and love to me is oftentimes, you know, because I love my wife, then I will change some of my behaviors to make sure that she is, um, happy in the relationship. Manipulation oftentimes, and to sister, um, I see this point, it goes back to the intent where it's. I manipulation. I want you to change your behavior. Um, I'm going to use your love that you have for me to change your behavior. Um, so I benefit from it. So I think it's, it's more of a um, parasitic, you know, more like a parasite where only one, only one of the partners, they benefit from that relationship. Absolutely. Can I piggyback off of what he just sure. said? Sure. You know, I, you know, when you were asking the question about healthy love, I think a healthy love is when both parties, um, are coming in um, whole. You know, I have done my work, and, and although we're always a work in progress, I think in coming into a, a marriage is something that we're both coming in as healthy within ourselves in order to be of service to the other one, in order to be able to show up, you know, um, in our best versions for that other person. I think when we come in deficient um, in certain matters and are aware of it, and purposely withhold that information from the other person with the intent of, as the brother just mentioned, using them almost to regulate our emotions or deficiencies. I think that is uh, very manipulative because it, it's so draining on the other person, especially if they're not aware that that is what they're entering in. Um, so a lot of relationships are entering in with what they think the other person is bringing, whereas the other person knows they're withholding information that if they were to tell the person, that person may reconsider. And if you purposely yeah. withhold that information, 
that is manipulative because you're you're utilizing you're using kind of like a false self in order for this person to to enter or remain in a relationship that otherwise if they don't they may not Absolutely. I have a question to pose. I'm going to pop to you, Brother Khalil. It says, Brother Issa said, I always try to make women the one and have unrealistic expectations for them to see things according to my propped up reality. Does that sound manipulative? Let me know if I need to reread it. It, it, it absolutely sounds manipulative. And it also sounds like a person who don't, who's lacking self-confidence. Let me back up for a second. When we talk about manipulation, ma manipulation exists because oftentimes the individuals in the relationship don't, they, they don't really know what they're looking for. So, so when we start a relationship and the focus is love, that's, that's, a, that's a mistake. You know, the Quran, Allah says in the Quran, see, it's a, see we, we have to educate ourselves. I'm not presenting as if I'm so educated, but I'm presenting what I'm saying because of my love for my people and my community, for the Muslim, African-American men, my families, okay? And so I'm quick to say, you know, that that's, we don't start with love because if you start with love, that's where you get in trouble at. So what does the Quran says about these relationships? Let me just take one second. I need to read the, the holy book. I have to refer to the Quran because the Quran, the Quran is the guidance. Mm -hmm. It's going to make us understand what we need to be dealing with when we enter these relationships. And that's Surah th chapter 30 and Surah 21. Mm -hmm. And that particular verse there, part of it is telling the individual that when you enter the relationship, you're looking for peace. You're, you're looking to find a way to be able to establish what you would say a peaceful ordinance. So when you start out with a peaceful ordinance, if that's your primary goal, then that allows you to put your intelligence, your rational mind ahead of your emotions. Often, mm -hmm. yes. Oftentimes, you know, love can be blind. Love can be misleading. And for, and for brothers, they have the tendency to know that. So they would appeal to a woman's emotionality and give a whole lot of love talk without being able to address the more rational concern Am I interested in establishing a peaceful residence for the sister? Mm. So when the sisters begin, when, when the sisters approach it that way, they won't ever have to be worried about being manipulated. Manipulation exists because the people in the relationship don't know what they're looking for. Mm. Powerful. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. I really appreciate that, um, that perspective. I wanted to go pop over to the historical context. I'm going to come back to you, Brother Khalil. I'm going to pop over to you, Zarina. Um, you know, just in relationship to some, some of the subtle ways in which we sort of manipulate each other to get what we want. Sometimes it comes from a lack of self-awareness, like Brother Khalil mentioned. Sometimes it comes from a lack of self-worth. We don't feel worthy to ask directly for what we want. We don't feel like we even deserve that thing that we're seeking. So we'll manipulate to get it. 
where does that come from within us historically? How can we better understand the root of this? Oh, Sister Zarina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like him. Um, no, that, that that definitely stems from a, um, it's a post-traumatic slave syndrome, as I've mentioned before when I spoke the last time on your podcast. Um, when, when you look at the enslaved female and how she has to conduct herself around the slave master, she she's utilizing um, some of the things she that she feels she needs to use to either protect her family, protect herself, and whether it's that elevating into this to a state of being um, a house slave, or where um, she's she's being manipulated by her slave master, so that she is either keeping him at bay or he's and he's constantly getting what he wants, you know. And then we also have we also have um, roles where the 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 um enslaved the slave woman she is manipulating her slave master keeping him because because white men have this infatuation with with being with a black woman and still to this day you see it you know so those things stem from a very deep rooted history um, when we talk about manipulation and love um, within the black community mm, subhanallah and um, brother Rashid I wanted to ask you a little bit about I know sister Zarina touched powerfully on women and how we used manipulation as a survival mechanism to navigate um, sexual exploitation. And like Sister Asia eloquently mentioned, you see that a lot amongst us where we will use our sexuality, intimacy to manipulate. And that has an historical context. But as our men um, sort of navigate and, and some powerful things Brother Khalil mentioned, where does that sort of stem from within and of course, you can't speak for all men, but from your experience and what you've seen and what you know as a black man, where, what is that? Where does that really come from deep within? I think deep down, it's um, it's us wanting to fulfill our desires. Um, like that's what it all boils down to. So we'll manipulate someone to help us fulfill our own desires um, and we'll use religion to make it halal. Um, so I think um, from from a historical standpoint. You know, we are all human beings. We all have these. Um, we all have our own desires. Um, and there are ways that we, you know, that there's ways that we can try to get those um, um, desires met. And I think that's what most of it is. I think um, oftentimes men can be a little bit more simplistic um, where, you know, we know what we want um, and we can sweet talk somebody into getting what we want oftentimes. Um, and as long as we get what we want, we are happy because we may not be thinking about how it affects our partners. Um, so I think that's where most of it comes from, just a strong desire to um, fulfill those desires. The, the devil's in our ear. Um, he, he's telling us what we should do. Um, and sometimes we listen to him a little bit more often than we should, unfortunately. Absolutely. So Paul and sister, um, Brother Khalil, I'm going to pop to you real quick and I'm going to jump over to Sister Asia for one of these questions. But Brother Khalil, I wanted you to touch on really quickly a little bit of the historical context as well as it relates to the black man in here in this country and their experience hey, and how well, it contributes to this. Mm -hmm. OK, so African-American men. Right. We tend to manipulate because we have trust issues. Mm -hmm. Okay, and these trust issues that African American men, well, first of all, many of them don't know they have the trust issues, but they have these trust issues, and they go all the way back, not necessarily to slavery, 
but it goes back to the emancipation years. Okay, so when we talk about the trying to understand the individual in his thinking, I don't, I don't mean to take up too much time, but this is very important. We need to give the context of it. When we talk about African-American men and their thinking, we have to look at what, what, what influenced that thinking. It was something environmental influenced that thinking. And just to try to give it to make just to hit on some quick points, you know, one of the misnomers that has been explained about black men is that when we left, left slavery, we were unmotivated, and that's not true. African American men had a, had a big motivation, and we know these things simply because when many of them left slavery, they looked for their families, they wanted to be providers. They had a strong interest to engage in business activity, but racism, Jim Crowism, you know, the changing uh, economic paradigm, all of these things impacted his ability to trust the society. So when the human being, especially black men, as we are having the problem today, and our difficulty to, to trust the society, we necessarily distrust everything else especially when it comes to our relationships. So if African American, and I know this because I've talked to a hundred, I've talked to so many black men, I work with them on a daily basis, I know their sentiments. They have trust issues. And the trust issues go back to the fact that society have let them down and they don't know how to get themselves back into the, the nature that Allah has given them upon to function socially. So that's the problem there. It's historical. And, and most of their issues that they don't trust. And so when a person lacks trust, they, they will manipulate in order to preserve what they think is most valuable about them. Mm. May, I, may I interject and say, I think another reason why I think um, we do manipulate, I think our examples aren't the best. So I think um, when you see people that come from families with healthy relationships where the parents are, you know, where there's love and not necessarily manipulation in those relationships, when you have that example, it makes it easier for you to navigate your own relationship, so to speak. But if all you saw growing up was, say, your father being manipulative, that may cause you to think that that's a normal, that's normal behavior. So therefore, when you get into your own relationships, you start to try to, you know, you start to be manipulative as well. Um, so I just yeah. want to. It is. It is. I wanted to, if, if that's okay, Brother Kill, I'm going to pop back to you. Sister um, Asi, I don't know if you want to add to that, but I do have a question from the audience I would like you to answer. Would you like to add first and then I add? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, I just want to add um, also to when I think of the word manipulation, manipulation to me is, is almost parallel and mirrors the word control. Mm -hmm. It's about control. And when we're talking about history, um, in particular, dealing with the African-American man, that was something that during slavery and up until like what, uh, what Brother Khalil has been talking about is that they have not had control over their any, you know, their economic development, their ability to be able to provide, their ability to be able to even feel like a man in, in the way that Allah intended them to be. So when you're not in control of anything, uh, a lot of times you want to control the one thing that you do have, and that's the woman in your life. So you'll manipulate, you know, the people that are closest to you because you have no control over anything else um, around you. 
um, that you feel that you should be in control of. And so you'll, you'll, and then that's where the manipulation becomes so severe with the people closest to you. And that's why we hear the people closest to people who are abusers, um, they get it the worst. And that's because that's the only thing that they feel they have control over. And so they'll hold to it very dear, although it's dysfunctional. Mm, powerful, very powerful point. Um, I think I'm not sure the person's name, but it's Eyewear International said, what is it called when one party is hiding behind Islam in order to acquire a partner to satisfy a lust within them and not for establishing a lasting relationship? Um, I guess the question is, what is it called? I'm, I'm assuming that's spiritual abuse. But did you want to speak yeah. to that real quick, Sister Asia? Um, yeah, I was. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna, you know, piggyback off of what uh, Brother Rashid said. Um, for me, that would be spiritual abuse, especially if you know that the person that you're trying to attain, their desire is to be pleasing to Allah. Their desire is to, you know, to be a good wife. Uh, you'll use the very things that are important to her that she feels because a lot of women, we all hear, you know, that um, there will be those that, you know, they, they uh, if they were a martyr they will have a, a special gate in Jannah for those who were martyrs. Then there are those who fasted. There would be a special gate in Jannah for those. However, for the woman who is pleasing to her husband, submissive to her husband, she can enter into any gate of Jannah that she wishes, right? So a lot of us women who study Islam and are very serious about our deen, that is a, a, a strong desire to be pleasing not only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost, but by virtue of the husband, because that is obviously, if you can enter into any gate by being a good wife, then uh, then someone will manipulate utilizing, um, you know, the ayats in the Quran, hadith. And if a woman, especially a convert who may be the only Muslim in her family, she doesn't know her religion as as well as maybe the brother is portraying to know, he can manipulate those, uh, those hadith and those ayats in the Quran to make her feel that she is not pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because she is not she is not uh, fitting his agenda or his um, his his um, his nafs, you know. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times they'll withhold information in order and use uh, spiritual abuse to attain a woman that if they knew, as I mentioned before, knew what it was that he was withholding, they probably would not. Because most women who strive, they do look for what um, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, mm -hmm. which is seek deen first. And if a brother withheld that he's, you know, not as spiritual as maybe he may be portraying himself to be, that woman would not pursue him or much less marry him. Mm, powerful point. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. Um, Sister um, Zarina, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, subtle uh, manipulation in a sense. And I wanted to talk about it from the lens of a, of a woman, because sometimes there can be this sort of well-meaning, harmless sort of manipulation that occurs, um, meaning that it's not really narcissistic, right? It, it doesn't come across like you're really trying to take and control. It's passive aggressive, silent treatment. Um, like I said, withholding intimacy, crying, um, overuse of emotions, those sort of things. I wanted to ask, what are some of those subtle ways in which we manipulate in the relationship, especially coming from the lens of a woman? And is it harm in it? I mean, what is the harm that is caused when we're using some of these sort of natural traits within us um, to sort of get what we want? Absolutely. It's, um, it's harmful because because we mentioned that seduction or sexual intercourse is one way that women um, 
used to control or manipulate a brother, but there's also things like passive aggressiveness or using suggestive tones, ultimatums, and um, as well as seduction. Um, you know, you know, for centuries, it, it's it's amazing how seduction can still manipulate men at this point, even though they and they feel, but they feel so strong-willed to say that these things don't control them, right? And it's 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 um it's hilarious sometimes, and but it's also very sad. And but like I said, things like passive aggressiveness and suggestive tones are normally cute ways how our mothers teach us to gain our husband's trust or to get our husbands to move left when we want them to. Um, and like I said, sometimes it's harmless and sometimes, but it, but depending on what her intention is or her goal is, it can be very harmful. And when you do this long enough, what this does and that, that if he or she, if he discovers that, you know, he's lost himself or he's not clear on what kind of man he is, or he's given attention elsewhere where he is praised for who he is naturally, these things can have a whole lot of an impact on that relationship because now you're made, right? Now you're made, you're discovered on what you've been doing. So now you have to gain this person's trust all over again before you're using trickery. And it was easy before you gain them with your lust or your eye looks, your sway in your hips, the sweetness in your voice. And now you actually have to gain their trust the natural way because mm -hmm. they discovered that you've been manipulating them. So, you know, you, you build a reputation for yourself. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, and we started off saying how um, brothers do this to sisters and rightfully, and you know, of course, so we hear this all the time, but sisters have to be just as cautious on how we treat our brothers. It's never one-sided. We've seen a lot of nasty cases on how sisters have mistreated brothers and vice versa. I don't think it should be a scoreboard on who does it the most. It's all bad. <laughs> it's not the example of the prophet so that's so that's all that matters. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. I love what you absolutely said. And even Brother Simon, he said, daddy's little girl, because, you know, you're right. There was some conditioning even that came with that, you know, how to be sweet natured, how to get what we sort of want um, out of men. And some people still think it's harmless, but it, if it comes with deception, right, it, it can cause harm. Absolutely. I want to know what's the impact of that sort of um, subtle sort of manipulation on the, the male, Brother Khalil. What is the impact? How does that impact men? when they're manipulated by women in those type of ways? Well, Brother Kal is he frozen to you guys? He's frozen. Yeah. Okay. No, but you're frozen, Brother Khalil. Uh, you may need to refresh your screen. Sometimes that happens on StreamYard. Happens too often, actually. Just refresh. I'm going to pop over to Brother Rashid if that's okay, and I'll come back. Brother Rashid, how does that feel to the... Um, to the man, to the man, when that when that sort of occurs, or when he discovers he's being manipulated by a woman's charm, brother, um, I think you are mute. So I was really interested in brother Khalil's answer because it seems like he's done a lot more um, studying about this. Like for my for my own personal self, like I've been married to my wife for fifteen years, and I. I was trying to think of any ways that she tries to manipulate me and I couldn't come up with any. So it's difficult for me to answer that, answer that. 
Um, I'm, I'm serious. Um, and so I, I asked my wife, like, what are some subtle things that I, that I may do that you think is manipulative? And her answer was, um, it was interesting, but she said, um, she is innate. I mean, she understands the dynamics of, you know, the Islamic marriage, so to speak with the male being the leader. Um, and she was like, sometimes just when I state my opinions on things, it's going to sway her opinion. Um, so I don't do it purposely. So maybe there's unconscious and conscious um, manipula manipulation. Um, mm. I like to believe I don't manipulate my wife. And I honestly can't think of any way that my, my wife manipulates me. I saw Sister Zarina laughing because she's like, yeah, right. Um, but I, I, I've i never experienced it. So I don't have an answer for that, unfortunately, because my wife is amazing. Thank you for your honesty, Brother Rashid. Shout out to um, Brother um, Rashid's wife. Brother, um, if it's okay, can I just hop over to Brother Khalil? Brother Khalil, I know you're about to say something. Um, are you, okay, okay. So the question is, is that how does this impact the man? And Brother Fahim, I wanted to mention his comment. He said, why is a brother's manipulation considered oppressive and a woman's is innocent? I think that's a powerful question because even in our language and the way we view it, it he's right though. He's right. They both cause damage. But Brother Kalu, I did want to ask you, how does this impact the man when he is manipulated by a woman's charm? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, if he's manipulated and he knows he's been manipulated, it will affect his ego. And so what that does mm -hmm. is causes what we would say add in, insult to injury. <laughs> so the worst thing that a brother or sister can do is apply manipulation to one another. But I'm more of the of the thinking that, you know, again, I'm I'm looking at my families. I'm looking, I'm not, I'm looking at my brothers who are faced with incarceration, substance abuse, and a whole lot of other issues. Okay, I'm looking at them. I'm looking at those brothers. I'm, I'm not looking at this broad concept of manipulation as we are addressing it here. I'm trying to understand, you know, what is it that we can do? If the issue is manipulation, then what is it that we can do to change that type of thinking uh, 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 perspective? What can we do? As Muslims, we are supposed to be able to understand behaviors and propose concepts and perspectives that will allow us to change that dynamic. You know, what, one of the reasons why the Muslim community families are struggling and these relationships are struggling because the proper education and the proper focus on, on, the, on the thinking ills and the social, the social ills that we're faced with is not being proposed with solutions. So we, we talk about we talk about manipulation. My question is, as a Muslim community, an African American people, okay, that's unacceptable as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. What do we do to change that dynamic? That's the question. We know manipulation exists. It's been existing for 100 years, thousands of years. The question is, as a woman, as an African American community. How do, and, you know, and, and my focus is not necessarily on women per se, it's the brothers, because so goes the brothers, so goes the families. So if we know that brothers are impacted with manipulation, what do we do to change it? That's the question. 
The reason why this question is relevant because we're Muslims. Right. Right? And we have a responsibility to influence the society. Especially when we, when we one, one more point, let me, I want to get this off. Okay. And the reason why I want to get it off because I'm tired of seeing my sisters crying. I'm tired of seeing my young children being hurt and, and families being busted up because leadership is weak, succumbed by manipulation. So my question is, what do we do to change it? That's the question. Thank you, Brother Khalil, for your passion. I appreciate it. Sister Asia, chime in, and then I have a question for you guys. Um, you know, you asked the question, what is the effect? Um, there's a quote that I read, um, you know, what's the effect of manipulation? And I think it goes both ways because there's an effect, not just when men are manipulated. And obviously the question was specific to men. And, uh, you know, I, I saw in the comments, their ego was bruised and, you know, things like that. And it runs deep. And for women, what ends up happening, the effect of manipulation is the trust issue. And there was a quote that I read that said, if you don't heal what cut you, you'll bleed on those who did not hurt you. And that is the effect of manipulation. You know, a person, a brother, I, I noticed, um, especially with men, you know, we, we kind of give men this, this uh, you know, they're strong, if someone hurt them, they'll get over it real quick. And that's because they don't show necessarily outwardly that they've been affected by manipulation. But what ends up happening is that the next person, the next woman that they get involved with, she almost becomes the emotional punching bag for what he did not deal with because of the manipulation. So it's like he hurts everybody that comes after that. And the same thing happens with the woman due to manipulation. She then doesn't trust a man. And when a man genuinely has good intentions for her, she can't even appreciate what he's doing because she thinks there's an ulterior motive. And I feel like that is what, and it goes to what brother Khalil said, that is where the breakdown of the family happens. The children end up suffering because of it, because of the, you know, people not, doing the work necessary to heal first before moving into another relationship. And so those that come after them, male or female, both suffer because of the issues that have not been dealt with due to manipulation. Powerful, absolutely powerful. My question I wanna to pose to you guys, how do we distinguish between manipulation and pers per persuasion? Um, can I, so I think, Part of manipulation is the tactics that are used and if you're using nefarious tactics, right? So it's mm -hmm. about how dirty you're trying to play. When it comes to persuasion, I think we all try to persuade our, our spouses in one way or another, um, but it's just what type of tactics do you, do you use? And that's why the example about my wife, I don't think my wife has ever used any like nefarious tactics. Now, if she want to sweet talk me and, you know, speak in my ear or put on some, some something nice, I'm good with it. Like we, that's, that's all fun and games. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest differences between manipulation and persuasion. It's uh, number one, the intent behind it, and also the different the tactics that are being used to um, get what you want. So and let's I talk think it about goes it. back to, I think it goes back to intention. You know, yeah. Allah says we're rewarded by intention. If you're intention, because, you know, if you look at Asia, you know, Ravi Wanha, she used persuasion, but for good. She used persuasion when she talked to Ferran and she said, you know, would it, you know, let us hold on to Musa, you know, let us hold on to this baby because he may be good. It was some good that can come from this child. So she used her words 
knowing the type of husband that she had. And we seen our mothers do it, you know, when our fathers may be very strict in a certain manner and maybe the balance is not there. A mother comes with the nurturing nature, the softer side of things and persuades her husband to look at it from a different perspective that has more of a balance. Um, and sometimes the husband can do the same. Sometimes a woman is too, you know, uh, soft on the children and the father then used his persuasion to say, you know, this is why I'm the way I am and you admire these qualities and this is what I want to do. So you can use persuasion for good. But I think manipulation comes when it's all about there's no benefit for the, the, um, the bigger picture. It's all about my agenda and what I want. And so you manipulate somebody by either gaslighting the person and making them question themselves, projecting, blame shifting. Now you're using tactics that are harmful to another person in order to get your agenda fulfilled. And I think that is the difference between persuasion and, you know, um, manipulation. Powerful answer. I wanted, we're talking about the tactics and I want us to break that down for people to understand. We have something called love bombing and gaslighting. And these are certain type of tactics we see in manipulation. Serena, pop into you really quick, then I'll pop to Brother Khalil. Can you break down what is love bombing? What does it look like, um, Zarina? Yeah, uh, well, love bombing often looks a lot like true love, but it's really just baiting. <laughs> it's just, it's, that's Wait, literally... <laughs> <laughs> and I went, and the first thing that, that comes to mind for me historically for the black community is when the slave master dangles freedom or something close to it to the enslaved individual. You know, and so for, 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 for the enslaved individual, we, we the, 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 the one thing we love would, would love most is our freedom. We want freedom first. So when it's always this quote unquote quid pro quo, or um, for the for the slave master to the slave to the, um, to the enslaved individual, but then when we look at today as far as love bombing, it looks like all the things we see in our favorite TV show or our social media timeline and the cute little memes or you know our our romantic movie. It looks awful, a lot like true love, but it's only but until you get to that that checkpoint. When they realize, okay, I got them in, they're invested. Now I'm going to show them my true colors because at some point a person can't hold it forever. They're going to show you their true colors, but they need for you to be all the way in first so it can make it harder for you to leave. Mm. Brother Khalil, I want to pop over to you about these tactics of manipulation, in particular gaslighting. What does it look like? How does it show up? And we're going to move to some solutions after this. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, love bombing is clearly an exaggeration, you know, and it's clearly manipulation. Again, I will go back to the point that I made earlier, you know, that these things are, they only are effective in any relationship when the individuals involved in the relationship do not know what they're looking so in other words, that if we know manipulation has affected couples for whatever reason, and the question is, how do we uh, become educators to improve that situation so that this don't become a poison on the people? You know, I mean that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm, my interest is to improve life. My, my interest is to 
help change the, the dynamic of the, of the family construct, okay? And so the effort, you know, to, to make that happen is that as Muslims, we need to understand what our roles must be to change that. You know, I mean, the topic is a fine topic, you know, but in reality, you know, this, this topic don't address the issues that affect our families, you know? Manipulation is shaitan. I don't, we don't need to be talking about shaitan because we know that shaitan's, his, his power is to manipulate and to suggest. So why are we spending a lot of time talking about that? That's, we're Muslims and we're supposed to know exactly what our role is and to be able to differentiate the difference between what is weak talk and what is strong talk? You know, we can talk about manipulations as, as long as we want. We still got to come back to the to this to this to this central point. How do we help our families? How do we help our marriages? How do we help our children? That's the question. You know, manipulation it is what it is, but at the same time, as Muslims, we have to establish what we know we need to establish. And that is sound marriages, relationships, children, education, etc. Right. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Brother Khalil. And I believe that that is definitely towards the solution. However, working with the people, awareness is critical to getting to that point. And a lot of us are not aware, you know, that we're just not aware. We're navigating, we have breakdowns in our unions. We think we're doing the dean, but we're using spiritual abuse. And that's just the reality of our condition. But awareness is the first thing. Until you're aware, you can't make a change. So it is our hope. And this platform always provides the first step towards awareness. And then we send you on your way to your communities and to your leaders so that you can find real solutions. But I did want to move us to that conversation. I'm going to start with you, Brother Rashid, if that's OK. It's just some sort of advice that you can offer. And I'm going to start with being a little bit gender specific for a moment, and then we'll kind of culminate it, if that's okay. Just some general advice you can offer Muslim men um, who may be inadvertently, whether intentionally, non-intentionally using manipulation as a coping mechanism in their relationship. What is some advice that you can offer them to sort of mitigate and navigate through that and find other ways? First of all, how can they be aware that they're doing it? Let me just start there. <laughs> how can they be aware? Um have conversations with your spouse. Um, I think that's probably one of the easier ways. Um, and if you got a real wife, she's gonna let you know. Um, but I would suggest to individuals, to males, to think more about more compromising than just you know how it benefits you or try to be a little bit more sympathetic or empathetic towards your spouse. Think about how something will affect her. Um, so those are some suggestions that I have. But I think oftentimes we only look at it um, from how will it benefit me? And I think when you do that, it can it can hurt the relationship. I mean, with so many different things, when we talk about polygamy, oftentimes males, they just think about how it's gonna benefit them and not how it affects the wife. Um, and vice versa, women, they think about how it's gonna affect them and not how it may benefit the, their, their husbands. So I think we have to start to be more compromising with one another, having real conversations, talk, you know, sitting down, having these talks to try to, um, to essentially find out what will ultimately make the other person happy. Because in the grand scheme of things, when you enter into a marriage relationship, 
oftentimes, unless you're doing some muta type stuff, you do it with the intent that this is going to be for life, right? So, and no one wants to live or go through, be in a relationship that they're unhappy in, right? So we want to make sure that we're happy, definitely, but also that our spouse is also happy. So it's it's about balancing our priorities. Um, sometimes you have to look think about what makes you happier. Um, sometimes you have to think about what makes your spouse happier. But when we think about the scales, they should be even or close to even 51, 49% uh, with regards to, um, you know, what we're, you know, your, your, your partner. And can I say one thing? Cause yeah. b- before this, I had no idea what love bombing was. So I think if there are, are some people that may be watching this and they may have the same, like what in, what is love bombing? Um, so I had to look it up. Um, it's excessive attention, admiration, and affection with the goal to make the recipient feel dependent and obligated to that person. So essentially, if you've ever seen any black romance suspense movie, that's what happens. Omar Epps, at the beginning, he's super nice. He gives yeah. the woman everything she needs, and then he's controlling. But my only question to that with regards to how we as Muslim men, oftentimes um, we like to present ourselves, like for my, like for myself, I like to be the provider, which means I'm going to pay all the bills and things like that. So could that come off as being love bombing? Because if my wife wants to work, my wife can work. Definitely. But at the same time, we 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 take on that responsibility of taking care of everything or most times. I mean, depending on your spouse. Right. So I'll, I'll pay all the bills. I'll do this. If you want to work, you, you, you can work. If you don't want to work, you don't have to work. It's that love bombing in the sense that. Once I do that, then I'm 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 just I'm all ears. So well, that's I'm a great curious. question, but go yeah. ahead. I, we, we, I we like uh-uh, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, first I would like to go back to you know, I would like to answer the question that um, you know uh, brother Rashid just asked, um, and then I would like for you to an- ask the question again if you could, um, sis, because I would like to answer that question that you just asked, brother Rashid. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So love bombing is is when you, it's excessive. It's when, you know, you're telling the person uh, very early on in the relationship how much you love this person. It, you, you kind of even go against the person's boundaries. You want to talk to them 24-7. You're on their mind. You know, you're constantly wanting to talk to them. You talk to three in the morning, they call you right after fudger. You know what I mean? It's this all day thing. It's this love. They mirror everything that you tell. They want to know everything about you and then they give it to you immediately. Whether you've earned those things are not. And that is so that way you feel emotionally attached and you feel like, oh my God, this is the answer to my du'as. He's given me everything that I've been praying for when in actuality, the person is only mirroring what you're telling them and not necessarily doing it because there's actually an emotion attached yet. It is to get you hooked onto them so that way when the masks fall off, you are still in love with the person that you believe they were in the love bombing stage that now when they show their true colors, you're still looking for that person thinking that that, that's what's within when in actuality, what they're showing you now is the real true self. And that's what love bombing is. And I think the key and and, and Sister Asia said it perfectly, the, the whole, the difference between a person who generally does give those things off because that's who they are and the person who doesn't is all about intent. It's, you know, sometimes I genuinely believe that there are brothers and sisters that don't even know they're doing it half the time because we consume ourselves with the wrong things like media and television and, and celebrities, we, we consume ourselves with this idea of love 
And we're like, oh, so this is what men want. This is what women want. So when we get into a relationship, we don't even realize we're giving this off to this person like, oh, she wants this. He wants that. I'm going to give them that because I'm under the impression that that's, this is what the opposite sex wants. But then when we realize we can't hold up that character for much longer because it's not within our natural self-expression, we begin falling off. And now the expectation or the need is still there for that person to give that thing to us. And then you start seeing all of these problems. That's because you try to hold up a personality that wasn't truly yours. Right. So that's what love bombing is. It's not saying that people who 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 are like who generally do these sweet things, stay up till three, four o'clock in the morning speaking and, you know, and excessively telling the person that loves you. It's not that um, they're not generally a good person, but it's all about the intent. But not after three weeks. <laughs> not, oh, I, I, you know, I, you I just wanted to make sure I, I haven't been love bombing my wife for the past 15 years. That's what I'm saying. You know, when you're telling someone you love them after three weeks, <laughs> I want to be everything you've never had before. It's like you have you don't know the person enough to know that that is genuinely the type of relationship you want to have with that person. So you're making promises and gestures mm. so early on. Um, that it's yeah. it, it, it's not genuine because you don't you, you haven't learned if the further person is worthy of the love that you want to give. And if it's genuine, things take time. Haste comes from shaitan. Mm-hmm. Patience comes from Allah. So when you take your time in the situation and you're gradually continuously showing that love to that person, then alhamdulillah, that's genuine. You know, and that's where yeah. longevity comes from. Yeah. And just Absolutely. to go back quickly, if I could. Um, yeah. If I- Go to um, Brother Khalil because earlier he was like, you know, he was pressing the um, the idea of, about coming to a solution and and um, what we're talking about and what we should be shifting to. I um, I definitely hear you and I agree, but we also must be a community that calls for what is good, urges what is right, and forbids what is wrong. Because <laughs> those who do this are the successful ones. So the and so um, I of course we wouldn't be having feeling a need to talk about a solution if we weren't aware of the problem to begin with. So we have to identify what is the problem, figure out where that stems from to, to in order to create a solution. No different than how we look at the black family structure. Where does the problem stem from? How do we approach it, and how do we move forward? Yeah, so, absolutely. Go ahead, Brother Khalil. Chime in. <clears throat> Here's what I'm saying. This terminology we call love. I mean, do we really understand it? That's mm-hmm. number one. You know, the Quran in, 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 in various perspectives speak, speak about the heart. Yeah. And there's there is different terms, kalb, fuad. Sudor and other few more other terms. And these terms speak to the nature of the heart in a way that Allah deems to educate us about emotions. Now, as, see, I'm speaking as a Muslim, as a black man, but as a Muslim. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm speaking in a way that if we under, clearly understand what love is and the role of it, then our role, yes, we to bring the consciousness of certain things, but now there is a direction that we need to be advocating as Muslims, a direction we need to be ad- advocating. If, if people are caught up in this so-called love syndrome, that's not necessarily a good thing 
But as Muslims, we are required to chart the direction to explain how these things manifest itself and explain as such so that these things don't become a perpetual problem for us. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. No, this, hold on a second. Listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't mean I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years dealing with my people. Mm-hmm. I'm 40 years dealing with my people. I'm looking at polygamy going rampant. It's, it's crazy. I'm looking at a lot of things. I'm looking at my sisters crying and, and the brothers is crying. I'm looking at them. And so I, I'm not saying what is what we're talking about is not important, but what I am saying, if we're going to talk about an issue that is that if, if, if we say love bombing is problematic, don't leave it there. How do we resolve it? How, how do we influence our people not to be victimized by love bombing? That's the point I'm making. Yeah, absolutely good point. So let's get to that point. So let's go ahead and talk about some solutions before so that um, we can go ahead and culminate this conversation about recommendations. I'm going to pop to you, Sister Asia, and with um, asking you some recommendations that um, we you can offer, some advice that you can offer our community as it relates to navigating first becoming, like I said, aware. I truly believe awareness comes first. We try to fix problems that we're not aware of and we end up fixing the wrong issue. We don't go deeper. We don't solve the root of the problem. We put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound instead of cleaning it out, sewing it up, and then bandaging it. So I want to ask you, how do we first become aware? And then what are some solutions we can do to navigate past manipulation? Well, I think it goes back to what I was saying before. Coming into any relationship, you have to come whole. You have to be self-aware of who you are. What are your vices? What are your um, weaknesses? What are your strengths? What do you bring to the table? I think a lot of people go into relationships looking for the other person to validate their whole being. They're not happy unless that person is happy with them. So the minute the person is displeased, the person falls apart. That can't be the situation. So when you and it's easy to be manipulated when you're not self-aware and you don't have self uh, self-respect or a sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. So you have to do the personal development. One of the things in doing that is you have to take your time. That means if you break up with someone four months later, you shouldn't be getting married. You know, three months later, you shouldn't be intended. You need to take that time to really understand, especially if you, you walked away from a situation where you're not even clear as to what went wrong. And, and, and how it is that you fell into that situation, you have to take your time to do the personal development. Get to know who you are. Get to the root of what your triggers are, um, you know, what your weaknesses are in order for someone not to be able to use that against you. So when someone tries to manipulate you, you can see it quickly. You can be like, yeah, sorry, not going to work with me. You know, I'm, I'm aware of who I am and you can't gaslight me. I'm very strong in who I am and, and my belief system. And and in in the religious aspect of it, know your dean, not from him, but know your dean. Go to classes, take classes, you know, sit with with a student of knowledge to understand what your rights is as a Muslim woman. Understand how Allah sees you and not how man sees you, but see how Allah sees you. You will elevate that level of self-esteem where someone cannot, you know, penetrate and use, you know, manipulative tactics to get to you. When, you, when you're when you a self-aware person, someone can't gaslight you. Because gaslighting is making you second guess yourself, making you question who you are. When you're aware of who you are, you're like, I see what you're trying to do, but that's not gonna work. 
you know, you know, making sure that you're, uh, you, you know what it is that you're looking for in that relationship as far as legacy building between you and that other individual. So that way, everything that you do is aligned with that. Anything outside of that is clear and know what your deal breakers are, know what your boundaries are. Absolutely. So that when, when someone crosses that, even the slightest, slightest boundary, if they in the quote unquote love bombing stage or the, 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 the time when they're trying to attract you, if they can't respect your smallest of boundaries, they will not respect your boundaries in marriage. And whatever you dismiss, do not dismiss something that doesn't sit well in your spirit. If it doesn't sit well in your stomach, your gut, your intuition, don't ignore it because whatever you ignore in that courting you know, process, you're going to deal with it and more in the marriage. So at some point you're gonna have to deal with it. So deal with the things, even though you might feel like this might be you know, a make or break, well, if it's a break, that is a law showing you that that is a, that is a reason to, to remove yourself. So be brave enough to say, if this is not for me, then Allah has something better for me. Trust that. Because if shaitan can bring you something that you're attracted to, just imagine what Allah can bring you. Powerful. SubhanAllah. Jazakallah. Kaidan. We do have to get ready to get off of this platform, but I did want to pop to Sister Zarina. And then lastly, with Brother Khalil, Sister Zarina, some recommendations and solutions for our community members. Alhamdulillah, uh, definitely. Uh, um, uh, Sister Asia touched on what what I feel like is the most important thing is self awareness. You know, and and check your nafs, check your nafs, and check your niyah. Everything about being a believing Muslim is all about your niyah. When your niyah is deregulated with someone that's supposed to complete half your deen, you block that blessing from happening. And if we want to get to a state of genuine and divine love, we do have to become self aware. You know, what do you like about yourself? What do you know about yourself? What do you have to offer the world, community, family, friends, and, and then your spouse? You know, because you have these relationships before you have a spouse. You don't come out the womb getting married. <laughs> you come out the womb having a relationship with your siblings, with your mother and your father and your neighbor and your friends and your schoolmates and your colleagues. Like, so... You can't love someone else until you have learned to love yourself and, and at the very least like yourself. You know, identify the type of love that you want, not what you see in your favorite movie, your favorite TV show, Ooh. media timeline. You look at, and then first, more importantly, look at our example, the Prophet Sallallahu There are so many beautiful romantic stories of the Prophet lives and i feel it's these stories that are not being talked about enough either if in either whether it's in our hook buzz or we're not seeing enough on youtube we need to bring out these beautiful stories because the brothers identify with the prophet most of the time yeah. with his manly traits of him being a general a soldier a leader you know all and, and also a good companion and also being kind whereas sisters for those that know we identify with how gentle yeah. he was how understanding he was how loving he was to his wives and if we both exchange these stories to each other imagine what the family structure would look like and you know and so if you don't know what that looks like about the prophecy of some of his wives then learn about it i encourage you because it truly is yeah. remarkable and avoid the traps by studying the traits and tricks of shaitan you know we we don't want to study shaitan so much to the point where we think he's attractive but we want there there's a story of shaitan beyond of him just being cast out of paradise where he was very uh, favorable 
to a lie at one point as a gen. <laughs> so what happened there? What was so studying? What is are those traits of Shaitan when he's using others? Learn those traits. Study the master manipulators and their commonalities. Being more cognizant of your surroundings. Ask yourself more often, what am I feeling, and why do I feel this way? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Powerful, Zarina, powerful. And Brother Khalil, could you please offer some solutions for our community to sort of navigate so, um, through this issue? Well, well I, I agree with what the sister just said, 100%. But what we gotta understand is that the individual soul is vulnerable without a community. I don't care how much you work on yourself as an individual. I don't care how much, how conscious you are about the, the things that affect you as an individual in your relationship. We become who we are and protected and we, and we grow as a national when we have a community. The community helps protect and reinforces the NAFs. Our solution in terms of in, 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 in terms of trying to protect ourselves from these from these harmful detriments, Part of the connection is that we have to be a part of a community. And so the Muslims are suffering from these things. African-American people are suffering from these things because we don't have a community to reinforce the very essence of what Allah has given us as individuals. I mean, it behooves me that we can talk about the individual mess and not, and not say anything about the significance of a community. Rasulullah wonderful with his minds. May peace be upon them. But the power of Rasulullah and his family was, was centered around an ummet, a community. The language in the Quran and Surah Nisa talks about socialization and community life, the containment of Kalwah, Kalwah Muna, the, the, the containment and the development of Ernisa, women. All of these things are explained in a context of a community. So if we're talking about trying to prevent ourselves from, be, from being affected by, you're gonna have brothers that's gonna be gaslighting. You're gonna have brothers that's gonna be manipulating. So what happens then if the brother continues in that way, if there's no community to check that brother? I agree with that. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, sister, you know, we, we need to have another show dealing with the issues here. Yeah, that, well, we, it's, this is just one layer. You're right. It's just yeah. one layer. No, I, I mean, I, I love what you're doing. But exactly. hey, we, got, we have got to get the work. And I want to yeah. say one more thing. I'm, okay, if, if we want to have solid relationships, if we want it, because most of the problems with the brothers, we need a community. We need imams. We need to step up leadership. We need imams. We need we need a community. Imam Walafuddin Muhammad has been saying, "Build Muslim community life." Mm. That's all I have. Subhanallah, Jazakallah, Kaiden. Powerful, powerful. But I'm just. I'm just. It, it hurts me when I go to sleep and know my sisters is crying because some brothers gaslighting them, some brothers taking advantage of these sisters. I don't sleep well when my sisters is hurting, or my children are crying because their fathers 
or miss you. I, I don't sleep well at night. Right. May Allah make it easy for you, brother. Zarina, when they were talking about like you have to learn your religion. Um, especially we spoke earlier about one of the ways that we do try to manipulate others is by using religion. So, and oftentimes, unfortunately, we only know content and not, and not necessarily context. So it's important that we actually understand the context behind some of the verses that were revealed, some of the hadiths, and that in and of, in and of itself should help us. And also, um, sisters, y'all got to be aware of Brother Ahmadou from Ghana. Love bombing y'all in y'all DMs. I know he might tell you he's going to buy you a nice Mercedes in three days, but y'all got to be careful. So Brother mm -hmm. Ahmadou from Ghana, he might not be the one for you. So just a, just a heads up. <laughs> they, be, they be serious on the, um, yeah, they not just yeah. DM and they finding a way to WhatsApp too. I'm like, come on. Yes, yes. Let them persuade you with he's some hijabs and some turtles now. <laughs> not talk about turtles. I told you about them yeah, turtles. Not, Zarina, yeah. we're not doing the turtles this episode. We got past yeah. the turtles. <laughs> Jazakallah, Kaida, and may Allah bless all of you guys. This has been such a robust um, conversation. I've been watching the audience members, um, um, and most of them are just agreeing with you guys. They're just kind of like on the same page with you guys. So thrown off by the turtles. Um, so we want to just, I wanted to just give honor first and foremost to the audience members for always being present and for contributing to this dialogue and for sort of conversing back and forth with our dope panelists, Jazakallah Kaidan. And I wanted to just humbly thank Brother Rashid, Jazakallah Kaidan for coming on. May Allah bless you. May Allah bless your family, your wife, and all that you're doing for the community with your, with your businesses. Jazakallah Kaidan for showing up here and for offering your perspective to the community. Thank you for the invite. It was amazing. Alhamdulillah. And Sister Zarina, thank you for always being here and being honest and dope and authentic. I really appreciate you for your perspective and for definitely keeping us accountable. Jazakallah Khaidan, sister. Jazakallah Khaidan. I'm glad to be called dope by the dope Muslim podcast. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> you know it's real when they Jazakallah Khaidan. And Brother Khalil, I wanted to just thank you so much, mashallah. Um, I appreciate your perspective and your dynamic work that you're doing we can see that it's real it's passionate it's authentic so we just want to encourage you to keep doing it brother we still need your leadership here as a community and i just wanted to appreciate appreciate you for coming on the show i want to thank you for having me and may Allah, and you keep up the good work sister you're doing some um, great stuff I mean, I mean thank you for being here and sister asia jazakallah kaida for being here your perspective has expanded my own thinking and mind so i appreciate you for being here and being present and to sharing your own gift how you contribute all the time with your platform and the amazing work that you do here on the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. So Jazakallah Khaidan. Thank you so much, Jazakallah Khaidan, for having me on here. And I pray that, you know, those that listen and as we continue to share and everything like that, that, you know, uh, uh, that Allah guided our words to be able to reach the hearts of those that need it the most. I mean. I mean, and I mean, and may Allah bless all of you guys. May Allah alleviate all of you guys. Um, I, I see some of your inboxes that come in. I know some of you guys are really navigating. And the big question is, is am I being manipulated? SubhanAllah. I want to encourage you guys to reach out to your counselors and your therapists and your coaches. I'm trying to bring these people to you on this platform so that you can find resources for a lot of you guys navigating this, I know how real it is for many of you guys that are being gaslit, that are being that are confused, manipulated, not sure, especially 
for our reverts, those who are converted to Islam. May Allah protect all, each and every one of you, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. May Allah bless all of you guys. We'll be back, inshallah, with I Want What You Got. We're tackling envy, um, inshallah, next episode. And we can't wait to actually tackle this topic once and for all. And hopefully, inshallah, bring us to some mutual understanding. Until next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.